158th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by Magic Hands at uh, Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Um, happy to be here. We've got a few things to talk about today. Uh, first and foremost, I did want to plug Colonel uh, Khan again. Uh, make sure everybody, if you haven't been listening to the podcast and you don't know that we are going to be teaching our secure code review course at Colonel Khan at the end of March. Uh, there are still seats available, but I know they are selling out. So uh, if you are up to it, uh, come join us there. We'd love to have you. Um, those that have been asking about whether or not we're going to start doing training again. Yes, we are, obviously. So uh, that's that's your first opportunity. Not to mention that uh, those guys put on a good conference. They've been running for a few years at this point. And it's a good little local conference there in Omaha. So um, come out with us and yeah, learn secure code review. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, last week we had our After Dark episode, Ken, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> found yeah. some more. Th- found another item with Laravel.io, uh, but uh, did have a few updates on that front. Um, first of all, we did report those back finally to the uh, uh, the development team and. Um, kind of got called on the carpet a little bit for how long it actually took us to report that first one, which was, you know, rightfully so. It took us about a month to actually report the user impersonation vulnerability that we found. They have since fixed it. Um, they were pretty quick about jumping on it. Uh, but we did re- did have some people reach out via back channels uh, that they weren't too happy that it took us quite so long to get them that vulnerability, um, which is... I, I mean, it's fair, right? Like, you know, we're publicly putting something out there. We'll do better next time around. Life got in the way and it was over the holidays. But it's really no excuse for us not to to push something to developers, especially when we publicly release it like we did. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so that you don't have to take the hit, hit, hit Seth. I had said I was going to report the first one. And like you said, life got in the way. Holidays, things happen, life events. Uh, not to make excuses, but didn't get to it. And uh did some apologizing uh, to some folks, um, but did check out. Uh, but you know, in the end, at the end of the day, I think it went well. Um, and ultimately, we did prevent a pretty serious flaw in their website, which they did push a PR. Uh, they did push a pull request fix for it. They merged it, so now that um, not the the second episode's vulnerability with you know not requiring a current password. I don't think I don't know if that was fixed. But I definitely saw the the PR for um, an exchange, you know, my feedback on the PR uh, through, like you said, back channels and uh, verified that the um, the values that are being pulled out of the session were set in this session to begin with in a secure way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're, they've done a they've done a, uh, some work to fix that registration and it looked pretty good. Um, I guess in the future going forward, I think we're going to figure out how to, uh, you know, maybe like live, we'll even report the vulnerability as we discover it um, is one of the options we've talked through. I don't think either Seth or I want to go. One of the things that had been talked about during the conversations we had were, um, hey, maybe you do these privately and then um, report them. And then when it's been fixed, replace them publicly. Um, To be clear, like this was never about trying to drop 
O-Days, as was <laughs> the terms yeah. that were used. Uh, this wasn't about dropping O-Days at all. This is about how to do code review. It just happened to be that we stumbled across some you know, vulnerabilities, as we're likely to do if we're reviewing open source code, and that's what we do for a living. So ultimately, I think in our in, in my mind, we did the right thing in terms of reporting it. I think we just didn't. Um, I just think, you know, the fact that I didn't report it for, for like a month was my fault and, and pretty bad. Um, so I, I admit that. However, I think the format of doing these live publicly and if we disclose something or if we find something, we immediately disclose something while we're even on the stream is probably the way I'd rather go than trying to, you know, do it, it just doesn't have the same feel also again the point is not to find it's not that we're trying to find vulnerabilities although i guess that's gonna happen but uh you know it's more just like to follow a methodology show people what it looks like to do that and uh i like doing it live man i like doing it live i don't think we should stop doing it that way so uh yeah we'll do yeah. our best to report quickly but it is open source it is out there in the world this is an open source podcast we don't get paid for this this is our you know, this is our hobby. So, um, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, all, all things considered when it first came across, I was, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I, like, you know, I, I think you and I go back to that, right? Like, oh, well it's open source. Um, the vulnerabilities exist, whether or not somebody actually looks at them and finds them. That's the, that's the danger, but that's also the, Know, the nice thing about open source is people can publicly fix this stuff and know to, you know, know about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was never intended to be malicious, right? Um, and I'm, you know, I like I, I hope those guys take that with the, you know, the, I don't know how it was intended, right? Like, you know, I, 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 I never want to come across to developers as, as attacking, right? As you know, hey, guess what? Your code, like, I, I get that these guys put a lot of work and a lot of sweat and tears into the code that they release, right? I mean, you and I have both been involved in open source projects and we know how much time and effort it actually takes to push that stuff out. Um, and so like, we're just trying to make it better, right? And, uh, you know, and we're trying to help other people learn how to do what we do. So I, right. I'm with you. I don't, I don't really want to, to back up on the, Hey, we do this, we live stream it. Um, I think, you know, just as, as notes from us, I think we'll make sure that there is a security contact that we know who to contact if we do find something before we start things um, and any of the live streams as we move forward so that people can see how that, how that goes um, and how people respond to it. So, uh, yeah. And we could even possibly just give people uh, like owners of a project a heads up that, Hey, this is what we're going to be reviewing. Like if we know it in advance, we could always tell them, Hey, if you want to watch the, the stream live to see if we find anything, go for it and uh, you can fix it, but be aware this is what we're going to do um, and be on standby. We might report something, but again, if the purpose of this podcast or if, if the purpose of those episodes, the after dark episodes were just like, let's find vulnerabilities and mess up websites. Yeah, I could understand that, but it's not just, it just happened to be that as we're going through the methodology, well, guess what? It works. And if we find vulnerabilities, that is our profession. That is what this methodology is about. So it's, it's inherent that we will find something and that something might be really insignificant and small, or in this case, something that is not insignificant and small and is actually pretty serious. 
it's going to happen. Yeah. So we'll do our best going forward, but I think we'll stick with the format. I like the format and I think it's pretty, uh, pretty real, pretty raw. And, uh, you know, that's what this has always been about being real and being uh, practical. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but I did want to give them kudos for how quickly they fixed the vulnerability, right? The PR went in, um, within, I mean, a few hours of us, us actually reporting it, even if we didn't hear directly back from them, um, only through back channels, um, they did a good job of, you know, eliminating the vulnerability and it no longer exists. Okay. That did bother me actually, is that I found out from everybody, but the actual people we reached out to that they were upset. And that, that probably is the thing that did, uh, the one thing that kind of out of this did annoy me was probably that the most. I wish the, the people had reached out so we could have a conversation. But in any case, we had the conversations without them. The fa- the software got fixed. Uh, we reviewed the PR. It is what it is, right? So. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let everybody know when we're doing another After Dark episode. Um, you know, we'll decide if we want to keep going on the same, same code base, if we pick something new. Uh but um, as, as always, jump into the Slack channel. Let us know if there's a project that is near and dear to your heart that you would like us to look at. And like we, like Ken's saying, we don't always find things when we do source code review, right? Like um, professionally, yeah, there are, you know, there are those apps that we find hundreds of things. And then there's at those apps where we'll find like one small misconfiguration. Um, and that's, it's about, it's about the process. It's about learning how to do what we do and knowing that we've actually done our due diligence. So I'll say this yeah. after having reviewed the Laravel framework a bit more, um, you know, if I wrote PHP, I probably use this framework. So mm-hmm. for what it's worth, because what we found for those who hadn't seen the after dark episodes, that wasn't like something inherent to the framework. It was just, uh, their website, which is built on the framework. They're, uh, community websites built on the framework and um in the community website there were you know vulnerabilities written there but not it wasn't in the framework itself so uh but also just like the framework the way it's structured reminds me very much of uh, ruby on rails but just for php um and i feel like we've talked about that quite a bit but whenever you have an opinionated framework where things are kind of structured in a specific way it's usually easier to like write tooling um to find things because you know where things are going like literally the source to sync flow you know where uh configuration files are going to be it, mm-hmm. it makes it much easier to it, when it's pretty uniform um which you only really get those things from an opinionated framework which is what laravel is so to their credit pretty cool yeah yeah it, it seems to do pretty well it make, makes me wonder if somebody's actually started to build a brakeman style scanner for laravel um and I mean, I, you know, you and I, neither of us claim to be PHP experts, right? Like the last time I coded PHP professionally was a long time ago, but I have seen a fair bit of PHP code and crappy PHP code over the course of you know the last 15 plus years. So, you know, it's, it's nice to see that it has come a long way, right? Um, the only time I've professionally coded PHP is when I'm writing web shells. <laughs> That counts, right? <laughs> CMD PHP open. I can't remember what's yeah. the command. <laughs> That's about the only time that I literally have ever written PHP and gotten paid to do it. Oh, Ken, Ken, Ken. Good times. <laughs> but anyways, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Well, we, we, it'll be fun. Yeah. 
I, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, we'll we'll determine what we're gonna review next for um, for for a maybe we'll leave Laravel. <laughs> Laravel.io alone for the next one and find a new one. So if anybody has any ideas for things they'd like to see reviewed and just to cover the guidelines, if you'd like to see something reviewed, do not submit us code that is from your private, like from like a private location for, you know, something that is, uh, yeah, used to, to make money professionally or is sensitive in any way. Just give us a public repo of a, a you know, public resource preferably a web app um and uh we'll do that i did want to mention um since you just put that kernel con link in seth that uh cactus con is in feb the first week of february heads up you do need to be uh vaccinated to attend that conference um so uh you know that's just a requirement i guess they put in so just be aware that if you are going to do that that you you will be required to have that if you want to attend in person Otherwise, virtual options uh, are there. They're doing a mixed um, virtual and in-person conference. Uh, but yeah, that's like February fourth and fifth, I think. Maybe yeah, it's a couple couple weeks away, right? That's that's pretty yeah. quick here. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that should be a good one as well, right? Like just looking over it. Yeah, yeah I talked to Andrew, and uh, you know, there's obviously they're having to deal with you know the current state of the world and and you know, different people's risk tolerances and preferences and, you know, everywhere in between people fall in that spectrum. So it's been actually really hard for them, but I just want to say, like, I really uh, appreciate that someone's willing to um, try to put back, get us back on track with physical uh, in-person conferences. So thank you to the Cactus Con organizers and Andrew Wilson for uh, at least trying. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it, yeah, it's been, Anyway, it's been odd, right? So um, odd and contentious, but here we yeah. are. Here we are. Here we are. We're we're here. <laughs> cool. All right. So from a news perspective, uh, first thing I wanted to call out today was the list. Dum 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 from Port Swigger. Uh, they've um, released their. Well, they haven't released it, but they are uh, allowing people to nominate. Uh, top 10 web hacking techniques for 2021. So I just dropped it into the chat here. We can highlight it here for a minute. And we've top, talked, I, looking through this list, Ken, we've talked about, I don't know, most of these over the course of the last year, right? Um, everything from some of the web caching, the, you know, the new stuff from Kettle on request smuggling, um, XSS, uh, yeah, app cache. Right? I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the list, and there's quite a bit here to actually take in. Um, I see. I know I can GitHub private pages for thirty five thousand on there. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's highlight that one. We'll 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 bump that one up, right? Um, yeah. There's yeah. There's 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 quite a few. I mean, what else stands out to you in that list, right? If you're looking through it, um, stuff that we. I'm going to talk about stuff we or I'm going to mention stuff we have not talked about. Okay. I guess I'm interested just if I'm just lo literally looking at the headlines, like XSS to RC and opera is interesting just because I'm like, I can guess how that's happening, but yeah, I'm curious how that's happening. I guess like uh, the, anything that has to do with HTTP two 
So the sequel is always worse. That's interesting. I, I actually, I think we did talk about prototype pollution, right? Mm -hmm. Or no? Can't remember. Um, uh, I can't remember now. We'll have to look into it. I don't know. You know, one I hadn't seen is the universal deserialization gadget for Ruby 2X and 3X. So mm -hmm. that is interesting um, to me, just looking through this. I, uh, well, Marshall load, we always know that's vulnerable, but um, they have a safe load option for Marshall. But um, yeah, well, if this is just about Marshall, then I'm not that interested just because like we've known that <laughs> for a long time. Um, da -da -da, just quick skim goes into great detail since the channel blah 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 there are a few they're using deprecated instance variable proxy you know what we did actually talk about this i think we have man we've done so much gosh we had we've just covered so many things and had so much content it's hard to remember i like i love my little humble brag there but yeah <laughs> uh, just so we were just so great man we just done it all uh talked about it all yeah, no, but we have talked about so many things. It's like hard to remember sometimes what we talked about. Yeah, no, no, it is. I find I have to go dig back through the episodes to see. Oh, I, I remember having a discussion or reading that article at some point, and then I have to go back and listen to remember what what it was we actually said. What was our opinions back then? Yeah, exactly. yeah. My opinion yeah, it's changed literally in two like weeks. a month ago. Exactly. It could. It, it could. It, it could change day to day. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All of this stuff is pretty interesting, I guess, but yeah, I don't know how I would actually vote on that list to be honest with you without going back through and reading. I mean, obviously like this year when I, when I really think about 2021 and I know we, we kind of did, uh, Hey, what do we expect for 2022 last year or last episode? Right. But we never really did a 2021 year in review. Um, and that, that's where I'm kind of going with this is, I know we've talked quite a bit in the last year about um, package managers, right? And the attacks that are going on there, the supply chain or software supply chain attacks uh, that are happening via NPM and everything else. We talked a lot about uh, request smuggling. We talked a lot about caching vulnerabilities, right? If I was to highlight kind of three main I guess, vulnerability classes that popped up last year that we've spent a fair, that I can remember us spending a fair amount of time discussing. Those would probably be the three that I would bring up unless you've got something else. No, no. And I was looking at the, like what they, what the, um, I'm trying to say what the qualif what the qualification for nomination should be. And it looks mm -hmm. like it's um, a, a novel technique that can be reapplied. That's the caveat. So it can be reapplied to other systems. Now, I think anything that's deserialization related, prototype pollution, those are pretty generic things that can be reapplied. Any, um, like uh, maybe bypassing 2FA using an open ID misconfiguration, my guess is maybe there's a bypass for other 2FA systems or a bypass that can be reapplied. It's just a guess. Um, Caching, anything caching related is probably going to be something that can be reused. Mm -hmm. um, but but a lot of the, the opera stuff, I would say I wouldn't, although it's interesting for me to read on, uh, probably not, you know, a lot of it's like RC or local file traversal or some, something like that. And it's kind of like, okay, well, that's opera. And, you know, what, it's not, 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 you know, there's like three opera things on here. So it's like, I'm not super interested about, 
how that would apply to other browsers, I guess. Um, uh, I guess fuzzing for XSS is, I, I guess if I cared more about XSS, I would probably be more into it. I don't know, man. I think like if it's, yeah, if it's probably something to do with HTTP protocols, something that's like a serialization issue, anything that's like, um, yeah, just reusable essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a couple things here around like basically supply chain kind of stuff like the uh, RC and homebrew by comprom- compromising the official cask repository. Anything that's in a supply chain attack, I would say anything that like falls under supply chain attack is probably a good nomination because that's, I mean, like we, we, we gave our predictions for this year and we expect to see more supply chain attacks. So yeah, be weird if we didn't mention it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. Like I, I mean, part of me wants to, who should I nominate? Making a nomination. Hmm. Oh, so is the nomination just like, uh, oh, that's now phased for further information. So those are the nomination. I guess they've got a panel, right? Hmm. Launch community vote. Oh, so that should be launched here, right? Like the community vote, if you want to vote. Right. Hmm. Don't click email addresses, Portswigger on Twitter. So follow Portswigger Res or research on Twitter if you want to actually be able to vote on, you know, the ones that you consider to be the top 10. I think that's where they're going with that. Um. Yeah, there's a lot there. Like I'm, I'm overwhelmed a little bit looking through the list on, you know, what we should talk about. Um, but yeah, where do you want to go with that? Prototype pollution. I got completely distracted as you were talking. Look at looking at those articles, Ken. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, 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 it's all good. I'm thinking like um, for me, the HTTP two one's probably the uh, the the, the the one I would uh, sort of nominate just because this is where uh, they talk about um, what is it? Smuggling request, smuggling desync attacks, stuff like that. Yep. And in my mind, that is an area that we have less um, stuff built for, frankly, Yeah. on the defender side of things, um, both to test for detect for and prevent, um, and I guess what I'm saying is it's an emerging area and I expect there to be a whole lot of additional attacks that come through with between, um, HTTP two, but also just like, uh, distributed service oriented architecture type systems. So I've beaten that. I feel like that that's been beaten to death over the last couple of months by us, but I'm not going to stop because, I think it is like going to be the 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 thing this year besides supply chain attacks that really comes to light, and maybe we see new testing methodologies built for uh, these things, um, more tools released, whatever, more research in general. So that'd probably be my here. I'll put it. I'll put it in here. This is this is the one I think is is a in a very important one. So. Yeah, yeah, I it, it definitely is right. Like, and there's. I'm expecting more to come out of, uh, you know, James Kettle on that one. Right. Uh, and other sources as well, but uh, they, they keep, you know, picking at that 
and looking for different ways to exploit it and to smuggle requests and microservices, the way that we're actually set up nowadays to deliver software, this is going to be a, and it's going to be a large problem, a large surface for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I know it's going to be weird though, for them to have their own research as a nominated, uh, you know, article, um, I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty self-conscious about that. Like if my own research was included and, it, and it's good research, but it just happens to come from the same folks that are maintaining this list. So, um, yeah, but I would have nominated it to begin to, even if it was somebody else. So, yep. yeah. Um, but no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what this year is going to bring in terms of, uh, vulnerabilities. I think we're going to see some cool stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of supply chain attacks, and I know I didn't pop this one at you before, but um, this medium post from Hacker Noon um, that, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, right? I'm trying to actually copy. Let me inspect that so I can get the link. Because if you don't know, like with our platform we use for this stuff, uh, for those listening, I can't, you can't just, I can't just like click on the link he puts in there or I, or he can't click on my, whoever puts a link in there, you can't just click on it. So it's like, can you just send that in like uh, yeah. absolute AppSec Slack? Cause I can't. Yep. I'll send it on or I'll drop it there. Oh, and I see it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I see it. Let me read this. I actually like reading things on the fly. Cause then I, if I don't have a good opinion and it's not fully formed, nobody can blame me be like, well, I just read it two seconds ago. <laughs> um, it's been a fanatic, frantic, not fanatic, frantic week. Uh, security yeah. vulnerabilities spell pwn wrong but okay um, <laughs> uh, page form element card number da, 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 that's what blurs meant and that uh and of course remember this code it has no uh attacker and check yeah xss so if it was my distribution method i would need to come with some borderline i'm pretty low uh, to was it i was gonna this, yeah, this this it, it's entertaining, right? Because um, settles on npm as a distribution method, um, writes a package that basically just changes the color of your console output, right? Right. And then pushes it out, but it 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 contains uh, code that looks to see if there's something interesting on the page, and then sends it off somewhere else. Right. Um, so, oh, so is it looking for forms like HTML on the page that has like credit card number or something interesting? And then it. Yeah. Page uh, contains, if the page page contains words like credit card, checkout, login, password, element matches, you know, card number, password, whatever, right? Takes all the data from those form fields and posts them up to. <laughs> sends it off to legit dash analytics.com, right? They did. Like, they did make yeah. a pretty wild assumption here, which is that since they're trying to, to, to bypass CSP, like for, for sites that have CSP enabled, and then it wouldn't make it possible to exfiltrate easily. The, the contents of a form element, um, they, they, they did say, Oh, well, if someone's re- sending their, uh, failed stuff to report your I the report your I endpoint for CSP, then they're gonna see what I'm doing. Fair point, except for in practical world. And I know we're gonna have Neil Metatol on next week. 
Um, yeah. In the practical real world, nobody's checking that report URI. If you've ever tried, you can ask Neil about it. It's just too much, it's too much data. Now, maybe if you're like a small website, maybe, but man, even then, I think you're not going to find super. Anyways, whatever. Reading, reading, going through, reading more. <laughs> That's just something that stood out to me is like, nobody's checking report URI. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing that he's got is the prefetch that CSP does, right? Is he's actually putting the data into the prefit, prefetch, right? Oh, which one of our articles today is about prefetch and some stuff in Chrome 98, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll save that. Yeah. <laughs> So when checking your CSP and checking it twice, if everything else is locked down, but I don't see form action there, I just go and change the action where the data is sent when you click sign in. Wow. Boom. Thanks for sending me your PayPal username and password, pal. I'll send you a thank you card with the photo I, of stuff I bought with your money. Perfect. How to stop. Okay. Option one. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. So the... The, the, what can I do to fix this? The option one, uh, or it says, okay, I'm sufficiently concerned. What can I do? Option one, just a picture of a log cabin, log cabin in the in middle the of nowhere, not connected to anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, some days that's where my head's at anyways. So cool. Yeah. Uh, option two, edit. I've detailed this in a follow-up post, part two, how to stop harvesting credit card numbers and passwords from your site. So there is a suggestion there. So how did they get past the CSP? So I guess CSP will disallow certain things, form action being one of them, yeah. if you've locked that down. Um, but see, uh, the, the fact that he's combing the page first, yeah, and then he's doing a prefetch request with that data in it, right? So even though it's going to be shut down that it's not going to make that make the full request, it's still going to do the prefetch. It's still going to do the lookup, right? And send that URL as a lookup. So uh, yeah, basically that's how they're getting around the, the CSP. Um, basically he can read what the CSP is going to be and then, yeah, excuse me, uh, work around it. Interesting. Yep. Wait, get, wait, am I, Wait, hold on. Am I reading this right? It says using this method, I took over Trump's Twitter account and started sending out all sorts of weird shit, and yet no one has noticed. <laughs> what? Yeah, is see, that I, real? I don't know, man. It, like, yeah. <laughs> Who is this? David Gilbertson. Oh, <laughs> a serious note, right down at the bottom. This post is entirely fictional, but altogether plausible. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I'm like, what? That can't be real. Yeah, at that point, I'm sort of like, eh. when I read that, I was like, wait, something doesn't feel wait right. Wait a second. Once a and I never got down that far, right? I'm with you. So, Woo-hoo. I know that sometimes my relentless sarcasm can be difficult to unravel. Okay. All right. There's no shortage of smart and ask people out there. Okay. So, it's a hypothetical mm-hmm. post. Uh, all right. Cool. So, that's, that's, but I mean, to be fair, you know, technically, it doesn't seem like, <laughs> no, that, well, and that's just it, right? Like that's I think that's why he put it together because each of those different steps mm-hmm. I, I can see that happening, right? Like it's you know yeah. for the last five years, you create a little package. I mean, look at what's happened in the past week with what faker and whatever those two packages were, right? Like faker you and know. color faker js and color js, I think. Yep, yep, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, we've always talked about that Rimraw fall package that was in the in NPM years ago, 
um, that actually did the RM minus RF on your, you know, on your package. Um, By yeah. the way, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, when we originally were talking about color JS and faker, I did not know that that, the person who wrote that um, code that like was, you know, kind of a middle finger to corporations and all that. I didn't realize like they had a history that was documented of like mental health issues and like had uh, tried to make a bomb or something like that. Um, according to that news page. So I, I didn't know all that. So we, when we were talking about it, I was thinking it in the lens of this is somebody who's just taking like a hard, I didn't know all that. So uh, for, whatever, for whatever it's worth, now I know that. And so the context is really different. It's really at that point, it's probably just a lone person. I don't expect this to be a trend. Um, at the time, I think we were, why I say that is because at the time we were talking about like, is this going to become a trend? Like, I hope not. Um, but now knowing it's like kind of like an isolated, this person had like kind of a, a moment. Uh, yeah, it, it isn't as serious as... Uh, well, yep. you know what I mean? It, it's not a, I, I don't predict it to be something that's become like a trend. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, I, I don't necessarily think it, well, yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, the, the what actually happened there probably was, wouldn't necessarily repeat itself in the same way, but it's all that trust that we put into, into play. Uh, with the NP with NPM with any of the package repositories, that's where it, I I think that's where it raises alarms for me and you is um, there's always going to be bad actors and and to this post point right like there's 580 thousand packages in NPM not all of those are going to be uh, not all of those developers are going to have the same values that you and I or that anyone that that the developer does um, so you've just got to be careful about what you're, what you're pulling into your package, but it's also difficult because, yeah, I, I mean, we've discussed this at length, right? Like the packages that you depend on, depend on other packages that you may or may not realize are actually in there. And, you know, how deep does that actually go? Where's that code actually being written? Who develops it? Who are you trusting? You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. envy the guys at NPM or over there that work for you for your parent company anymore on, or yeah, on the amount of yeah, work yeah. That we have to put into protecting that ecosystem or any of the package repository ecosystems, because that's a difficult problem to solve. I could tell you, I work with the folks at NPM literally multiple times a week and um, man, they are awesome developers. They're even as good or even better people with great intentions Um and I got to say their job is stupid hard. Like it is not easy. Um, and, uh, but I'm glad somebody's doing that work, but yeah, it's difficult. It's not, it's not easy. Um, full disclosure, you know, like I said, I work with them. I work for GitHub. I feel like I have to say that now because of that whole legal requirement. Now, if you talk about a service, you have to like say that you work anyways, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, they're great people. I, I think they're amazing and, uh, not an easy job. Let's say that. And especially the more popular you become as a package manager, the more people want to attack you, right? The, the bigger that, that, uh, gain becomes if you're able to attack the ecosystem. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. 
And yeah. again, a lot of this is about trust. I mean, there's so many signals to to sort of that you can use to, to determine trust. But at the end of the day, you still have to trust someone. And, uh, you know, hopefully most of the time it works out well. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just a risk and reward. Yeah. Yep. It really is. I don't know. Like I, I always go back to the what Matt module counts.com, right? Yeah. It yeah. just, it, it's interesting to me, um, to see the amount of risk that we just take on a daily basis. Right. Um, and to hacker noon's point, you know, that article, that's basically what he's trying to call out is the fact that we're so trusting of code that we don't know what actually, what it actually does. And then he does call out the point that, right, like whatever's pushed into NPM is not necessarily what's out on GitHub as the open source repository. It's easy to uh, hide things in packages. Um, There's multiple different ways that you can go about exploiting that trust that people have. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, really by that list, it looks like NuGet's like the biggest package manager, the most used, unless I'm reading that wrong. That's, um, it's average growth wise, right? There's the most packages getting pushed into that right yeah. now. But I mean, NPM, right? NPM and NuGet, basically, uh, that's what it's saying for the last week are the most active, right? By yeah, double almost in .NET and NuGet, which is interesting. I wonder what's going on there that we're seeing so many new packages pop up. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious, like... Uh... Well, that's yeah, that's look bizarre. Up. Yeah, because I was doing a quick um, search of like NuGet hacked or NuGet packages hacked. Um, there have been some things, but I, it doesn't seem like it's uh, as. Uh, my God, I'm sorry, I got distracted. There's the biggest Bernese mountain dog I've ever seen in my life outside my window right now. <laughs> Holy cow, it's as big as the person walking it. Wow. Anywho, um, back to this NuGet. Uh, is micro supported mechanism for that? Yeah, well, we know that. Um, well, it's interesting because actually today there was a dump of something like a hundred thousand packages. No, not quite. Seventy, eighty thousand packages. Wow. Like that's that's why the the count went up as there was just like a huge increase of well, no, it was like thirty thousand packages in a single day, which makes me think that there was a version push or something like that into NuGet, and that's probably why. I wonder if you go, I'm going to do last 90 days. I haven't tried to push to NuGet, but um, I wonder what kind of credentials it uses for that. Um, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. I probably should just back away from that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you look at NuGet, it's pretty steady. And then within the last week, all of a sudden it spikes up the number of packages that are in it. Yeah. Now I'm looking at Stop. security advisories for anyway. All right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to back away because I'm going to start going down a rabbit hole there before we hop off. Cause we've been on for almost 40 minutes. I did want to cover if we have time or yeah, if you're yeah. cool with it, the, uh, the, the Chrome. Yep. Let's go here. for it. Let's go for it. That's a, it was interesting. Another port swigger article here. Um, I don't know why I'm putting that up. People will just have to copy it or click on the link. Um, that's too long of a URL, but, um, so the gist of it is that, uh, Chrome is trying to prevent 
CSERF attacks on internal network resources. So a lot of the stuff around like, um, yeah, just using, um, abusing people's browsers to, to send requests on their behalf. Um, the example they show is like a, uh, I don't know if it's actually in the article or if it's in the RFC spec um, that they linked from that article. But the idea was like, let's say you have a page with an iframe that iframe has a URL in it that submits a get request to say like, you know, admin, admin at some local internal resource with a parameter that then sets some sort of like, uh, I don't know if it was a DNS setting or like a firewall op opening a firewall port or whatever it was, but it was something like that where, you know, just a simple get request would have made a change on this internal network management system and it would be a security hole because of that. Uh, so the idea is, and to prevent that, what they want to do is they want to first do a prefetch, determine if that asset is less public than where you're, than the site that you're browsing is. And if it's less public than the website you're browsing, it will not make that cores request and therefore will not allow that CSERF uh, request to, to go through. That That's the basic gist of it. Um, Sorry, they use the course pre-flight check to prevent the CSERF request. So they then the question becomes like, well, how do you know what's a... Because I was curious. I was like, well, well how are they determining a private network? Um, basically anything that has a private address space when it's resolved. So they do like the, uh, the whole DNS um, lookup, see if it's a private network. If it's a private network, but you're, like I said, you're browsing a public network space, then it's not going to allow those requests on through. So what are your thoughts on that, Seth? What do you think of that? Do you do, does that raise any spidey senses or do you feel like that's a pretty good control? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, like I, in, in general terms, and I'm just reading this too, right? Like I haven't been through this article. So my, my general thoughts initially, exactly what you were saying, like, how do you determine what that is? Um, there's still obviously going to be issues with DNS, um, confusion, right? If there could be, you know, some way to actually insert something in there. Um, the, I, I'm wondering how, <clears throat> how Chrome's going to interpret that access control allow private network, right? Like if the site itself doesn't have that, it looks like it's defaulting to false, which is what you would want to see. Um, well, yeah. um, yeah, so right because there is an access control allow private network header, and if it's true, I'm if it's true, that means... then it's actually allowed, right? So that right. pre-flight request actually checks to see whether or not, um, yeah, that's going to to allow that request to go through. Um, I, I I start to have questions about pre-flight. I'm going to be honest, right? Like we see those requests go out all the time. And the data that's that's involved with some of that um, can cause, right? Depending on the application that's being called, like internally, um, pre-flight requests may actually end up doing just as much damage as a full request. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm just like being overly pessimistic on how the pre-flights and the pre-fetch stuff actually happens. 
We've seen pre-flight abused via timing attacks to enumerate resources. So I don't disagree that that's yeah. maybe not bulletproof in that, that way. I mean, that's not the hole that they're trying to close with this. So no, I, right. It, Absolutely. It is, it is, this is a wide swath or a, an attempt to eliminate eliminate kind of a class of vulnerabilities that we're seeing abused to do things like change firewalls and like internal network devices, IOT devices that are probably, that probably just don't have very good security built into them. Um, I mean, if you so, can trick the browser into its DNS lookup resolving to a public space, then this protection goes away. Yeah. Which I'm sure they're arguing. I mean, I haven't really thought through the entire thing. I just thought it was an interesting proposal. Um, but I mean, these are the ways we're talking about. Theoretically, you would bypass something like this if it was in place. Also, does everybody use Chrome? Eh, you know. Well, if if you look right, that's the problem. Is that Chrome is now the the 500 pound gorilla in the room when it comes to yeah, what what's actually out there be, between Chrome, Chromium. I like we. Yeah. Anyway, didn't we have an article about that a couple weeks ago that we talked through about how Chrome is the is the one, right? The one true browser right now. I think we might have. You sure it's not Opera? Just joking. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is the primary. You're right. I mean, it's absolutely like the the uh, the beast. But I'm just saying it's not um, it's not foolproof. Obviously, there's other browsers, and I think also like like I said, if if you know, I don't know how the browser's determining where it's going to. Um, I'm assuming it has like a list baked in of like acceptable DNS servers it's allowed to resolve to. But it's just like anytime there, anytime DNS is involved, I just feel like there's maybe a hole there. You know, it is DNS after all. So, yeah, I, I mean, we, we are built on, you know, bailing wire and duct tape when it comes to DNS as it is, right? Um, but absolutely. Yep. Good times. <laughs> good times. So apparently we're just going to become AppSec nihilists and call it good. Right. You know, where's Stefan when we need him? Uh, he is on PTO. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I'm interested to see how this actually works. Um, as far as going back to that article, though, right? Um, yeah, me too. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what shows up in Dev Tools if it if it actually affects you know that much as far as what we you and I do on a day to day basis. Probably not, um, but I can see it affecting kind of the, some of the red team activities that are happening, um, like pages that are being built, targeted, you know, phishing, vishing, whatever you want to call it, attacks. Um, to change network access. I, I mean, overall, I think it's a good thing, right? Like the improvement that we see uh, in those browsers to prevent people from doing dumb stuff or, you know, developers using old tech, I think it's good. So I want to say Mike West is involved in this. He's one of the authors and like, I highly respect Mike, Mike West's work here in the space. So also... But the second thing is the DNS. So they actually have a note about DNS for binding here. I'm just going to read it verbatim. 
The mitigation described here operates upon the IP address which the user agent actually connects to when loading our particular resource. This check must be performed for each new connection made as DNS rebinding attacks may otherwise trick the user agent into revealing information it should modify. So this is to, to your point where you said, I wonder if introducing this could lead to other issues. And that's why I was kind of bringing up the fact that there are, we've seen pre-flight requests used to enumerate assets, internal assets or internal endpoints. Um, in any case, that's what this, our, this section is about, um, and the modifications to this course pre-flight cache are intended to mitigate that attack vector. So, um, fairly interesting. They've already, I guess what I'm saying is they've already thought through some of that. So that's great. Um, I assumed they had, but also seeing Mike West involved, like makes me feel better. Um, no, makes content does not prevent secure contacts from fetching resources from origins whose host is local host or an IP address in the uh, local host basically ranges. See also the edition. I wonder also like, yeah, forget that. That would work. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a hard one to unpack. Um, it is a pretty substantial change. Uh, HTTP cache, cache subresources are not currently protected by this. Cache, oh, cache subresources are not currently protected by the specification, even though the HTTP cache remembers the source IP address, which could be used in the private network access check algorithm. Um, but so cached subresources, maybe not so much. I don't know. I think we have to dig into this. There might be some uh, some ways that uh, it's still vulnerable. This sounds like a good for those who are watching or listening and are a researcher. This seems like something you would want to dig into. So check out private network access under the W3C spec. I'm going to link it here separately from that article. And uh, yeah, I'd say start taking a look at that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like now I'm digging into all of this, right? And yeah. Yeah. It's an Ooh. interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the more that we expand out, the more that we try to set up these guardrails, right, for security. Um, I, I mean, in general, I think this is a great thing, right? I, I just. Yeah, and as long as we've done the, the proper threat modeling, it looks like they've done some tests the last couple of rounds of Chrome as well on it. Seems to be working. Um, I don't, like most developers probably aren't going to ever see this, right? I mean, they're never going to no. run into this um, because it does have a very limited or it has a very specific attack pattern that it's going after. Yeah, and also like this... You know, you are, you are, you do have to put this on your, your website, right? As an admin um, or as a developer, you do have to actually include this in your, so I'm oh, wondering good. if there's going to yeah. be a plan to maybe then um, inside of like, say like a secure headers style library or baked into frameworks, if this is going to be a default header that they just include so that it's just on by default, my guess is no, but that would be. Ready. I mean, I think with a security centric library like secure header, sure. But like, uh, 
just standard default out of the box, who's going to be thinking to do this? So I, I feel like it would have to be pushed as a standard response header in most frameworks, unless I'm completely misunderstanding, which is totally possible. Spent all five minutes on this article, but uh, maybe 10 minutes. But Yeah, I think that's what it, I like. It defaults to closed, right? So basically, if you don't include that header, then that public site will not be able to make that request which is what you would, what, what, what you want to see. Right? I see. So you have to declare the false in order. So you'd actually, it's the opposite way I'm thinking that by default, it's true by the browser. And then it, unless it sees that header with a false, then, then it will allow it through. But um, otherwise it's going to assume that you meant to put that header. Yeah. In the on your site, the true, yeah. I guess. <laughs> is that what you're saying? I don't know. No, I, I I think it's opposite, right? Like I think if it, if the header's not included, it won't allow access, right? So right. if the header, yeah, if the header is there and includes the true tag, then it does allow that access. That's sorry, I meant true, not false. Yeah, yeah. My God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Sorry, a little brain fog today. Nope, you're fine. That's that that is definitely what it feels like, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's improvement, right? Like, and yeah, we'll see it. We'll see how it actually, actually comes about in, yeah, in reality here in probably the next couple of weeks, because it looks like it's pushing out whether or not we dig into it will, will be a different question, but if somebody wants to do some research on it and present it to us, that'd be great. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah actually, you know what we should, I have t- a couple folks that i'm supposed to set up uh i have three different uh well uh four technically but anyways i i'll put i'm gonna add to this list that's right in front of me mike west so because i actually would love to get mike's west on here and ask about a couple specs and just you know in general get to know introduce mike west to the broader public i don't feel like um i feel like usually these days like bug bounty people uh researchers with hacking techniques um those are the folks that you see discussed more widely um and i feel like people need to be a little bit more uh or made a little bit more aware of folks like mike west who does incredible work behind the scenes to help um keep you safe so more defender uh sort of love there yeah i guess what i'm saying definitely cool um let's see yeah we're you know we're, we're pushing it up on time today ken but um Sweet. so i don't i don't i don't know if we want to dig into anything else i think anything else we pull up is going to take us more than a few minutes to to get into yeah um, so i guess just as a reminder we just tell people what's going on next week with neil and then just like where we'll be and stuff like that yeah yep let's go for it yeah, so next week we have Neil Matatal joining. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about CSPs because that is Neil's uh, bread and butter, right? Um, but I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what else he's been working on. I know, I, I, yeah, you work pretty closely with Neil as it is. So let's. You know. No, I used to. Yeah, uh, you know, to. He right. le- yeah, he left GitHub uh, just to pursue um, different things, to be honest with you. And that's, I think, what he wants to talk about is some of his pursuits. Um, so I'm excited about that. I know we uh, got Mike had Mike McCabe is going to come back on. We've got a couple surprise guests. Um, 
and I'm working on uh, something along the lines of that surprise avenue. So um, it's 2022, time for me to get it together on scheduling guests again. And uh, that's my goal. So our Sweet. goal, shared goal. Our goal, goal I yes. should say. Oh, uh, we are starting work on a, um, you know, getting into AppSec uh, blog post that's going to be coming out. That was one of the things that was suggested to us during After Dark as one of the guys that joined up, uh, you know, had some questions. So uh, we're going to be pushing out that, um, trying to actually refocus on putting some content out on the website that's not necessarily related specifically to the podcast, but it's just application security related. Um, so watch for some of that as we get some of those posts together. We'll start promoting them um, outside, like on the podcast, obviously, but outside of it as well. If you want to get involved in any of that, join the Slack channel um, and yeah, start, uh, let us know, right? We'd love to have more people involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And cool. also we'll schedule another after dark episode. Cause those are very Super fun. fun. I would love <laughs> to continue down the Laravel.io route. I do feel like maybe that is unfortunately not a good idea uh so we'll probably have to choose something else so again if you email us with ideas for things you'd like us to talk about not just during after dark episodes like well let me split this out email us at info at absoluteappsec.com again info at absoluteappsec.com if you would like to do one of two things one uh is to suggest a topic or a speaker that you'd like us to either talk about or have on the podcast. The second is um, if you have an idea for uh, open source software, you'd like reviewed live um, on our third episode of apps uh, after dark. Um, we will take those suggestions and, you know, take a look at whatever is suggested and pick, pick from that lot. If we don't get any suggestions, we'll just figure out something ourselves, I'm sure. But um, yeah, we prefer people give it to us so that we can just sort of like, go blind into something and show how the framework or the, the methodology we use works. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, then everyone, we will talk to you all next week at the very latest and yeah. Happy hacking, I guess. Right. If you're, if that's what you're doing or happy defending, happy, whatever. Right. Have a good yep. week, everybody.